Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your Halloween special of playing and <laughs> Tonight we're going to talk about nothing except for ghosts and werewolves and zombies. Is that true? No, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Live from the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. Tonight... We are actually going to talk about what we've been playing, hobbying, kickstarting, other geekery, purchasing. Um, I'm sure there's probably more kickstarting. <laughs> kickstartering? Is that the verb? Sure. Uh, then wow. we're going to circle back to something we did talk about before, Critical Core, which was a Kickstarter um, probably back over the summertime. Yeah, spring, something like that. Or, yeah, yeah, earlier a this year. A while back. If we say earlier this year. Yeah, I think we'll earlier correct. this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things they, they recently have been uh, talking about is RPG rituals. So Critical Core um, has a series of questions and, and things you do when starting the session. Um, so we'll kind of talk about the framework of that as our main topic and how it applies to perhaps our own games or what, uh, what of those things may be beneficial um, to use. Then we're going to do a player slate review of a map-making tool called Dungeon Fog. Uh, Dungeon Fog originally had been a Kickstarter, so this is just a a good chance to look at a a subscription-type thing and make the determination if you, um, as an individual, may want to use it. Uh, And it is a a free. There's free options as well. So obviously we're going to get into, is it really worth playing with it for free, or do you want to buy the subscription? Um, and along the way, we're going to have a lot of ghostly Halloween-type uh, stuff thrown in. Josh has promised during editing, um, in post-production, he will be adding uh, spooky noises and music in uh, periodically. I didn't, for... I didn't do that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. Josh, you have a beer bottle in your, in your mitt. What are you drinking? I am drinking Koning, excuse me, Kona Brewing Company from Hawaii, uh, Kona Big Wave. I like it as a golden ale. It's delicious. You have to get your surfboard from mm-hmm. outside and bring it in. And hang loose, man. Yeah. Now, are you going to hang 10 or 5 tonight? Um, both of them. Both. Wonderful. Troy, you also have a beer bottle in front of you. Um, what what are you guzzling? I'm, it, I guess it's a beer. Um, it is new grist. It's gluten free beer. 
made with water, rice, sorghum, hops, and yeast. I guess you need the hops and yeast part. Otherwise, it really isn't beer, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just a Pilsner. It's light. I don't know. I decided to go gluten-free. Gluten-free. And it's actually not bad. Like no, it is a good... It's a nice... I mean, it's light, crisp. It's mm-hmm. a good... Ty, what do you got? I have a glass with beer in it. Um, it's pretty good. It's one of my favorites. It's called Third Space Oktoberfest. This is the Oktoberfest that last fall, I believe, I declared unseated octillion as the mm. king of all Oktoberfests. And I stand by that. And if you disagree, come fight me or at me on Twitter and let's have a you know a, <laughs> a heated debate where I tell you you're wrong and that's all I say. And then I drink my beer and I enjoy it. It is very good. It's good. I have to. I did not put it head to head with Actillion, though. I had. We did a big taste test of local uh, Oktoberfest well, beers, if, and I didn't. If you want, it. Troy, any night, I'll meet you at Third Space, in in beautiful downtown Milwaukee, and we will uh, we will have a Third Space Oktoberfest, and then I'll I'll let you smuggle in. Yeah, Actillion. I feel like it's like uh, like you're on. It's not neutral territory. Well, I, like I said, I'd have a heated debate with you. So let's have an internet fight or show up at third space. <laughs> I think we have internet, internet, internet fight. Internet fight. fight. <laughs> <laughs> episode 38 is our last episode because me and Troy have a horrible falling out over which is the better Oktoberfest beer. And if, if our show was ever to go down in flames, that's what it would be over. Like yeah. something silly about beer yep. or like yeah. an RPG like moment where, you know, Troy's character fireballs the rest of the party and then he just walks, walks away. Yeah, drop the mic and walk away. Drop the a, wand and walk Drops away. the wand, walks away wearing a pair of Wranglers. Off into the sunset. Yeah. To ride his John Deere. <laughs> what? Why am I <laughs> Brett Favre? I don't understand what. <laughs> All right. What have we been playing? I don't even recognize this first game. Somebody somebody educate me. Quacks of Quetlinburg is a Euro disguised as a real game. <laughs> um, Euro disguised as a real game. Yep. It's fun is what I'm trying to say. Oh, wow. Um, Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> so what is cool about the and I, I ended up playing this. I was on, I was at uh, work and we actually ended up having a game night of found some people in that uh this uh training thing i was at for a week uh like-minded other gamers that we went and played this one evening so uh, i guess so he introduced this to me it is you are i think you're like a wizard you're trying to build potions uh and oh players are charlatans i guess um so you're making your secret brew which really doesn't have anything and it's basically a you know a point you're probably trying to create points what is there all these different ingredients that you're putting in your potion? So you have a bunch of different counters and different that you end up in. There's like a buy phase and each of the components has a different color. And it basically has, a, I think, a number on it of like how many spaces you go. And then they go into a bag. So you have all the ingredients you go and they go into your bag. You're basically building your engine, which is going to be the different kind of ingredients that you put in the bag. Then you get to like the play phase where you basically pull out the different ingredients and each of them then you're putting on your board which is really kind of uh what do you call it it's a circle that kind of extends 
loops its way out and that score the board scores basically from one to however many like a spiral spiral out and so you'll pull out a piece and it'll have a three on it and so you put it in the third space and you pull out the next piece and it has a two on it and so you put it on the five space and basically there are certain ingredients that basically once you pull those out it stops your turn so there's so many like white counters or something in there and once you pull out your third one of those that ends your turn so you're kind of balancing it's kind of a little bit of a and if you pull out the third one it's kind of a press your luck a little bit because if you pull out that third one you basically lose uh i think you have to choose you basically lose the ability of either you don't get to score your thing or you don't get to do a buy phase or something else like this so there's a penalty to kind of going too far so there's a little bit of pressing you press your luck so um so it's, it's i think the the combination of the press your luck kind of building the engine out of the thing to me made it kind of fun not just like you know, not a normal Euro where you're building an engine and kind of scoring points because there is this kind of cool. And the ingredient list is variable. So there's the beginning of the game, you pull out different cards and they kind of tell you how to set it up. So each game kind of has a little different, I mean, so the ingredients that would go in your engine are a little different. So even, so you have to kind of figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do this time um, to make it, to make it out? And then basically play like a set number, like 10 turns. I also like that because it has a pretty finite like uh, time length. And that's about it, man. And you can play kind of simultaneously. Like your turns, you do the buy phase, I think. But most of the turns are actually more simultaneous. Like everybody kind of does their buy, and you do the draw phase, and, and then you kind of score it out. Um, so it goes fairly quickly, even though there's a lot, a lot going on. So it was one of those. So I was I was who, like, wow, this is kind one? of fun. Uh, that is, uh, I have it in front of me. Quacks of Quedlinburg. It is. Bye. bye. Come on, you can do it. Quacks of Quedlinburg <laughs> by <laughs> two to five players. Two to five players. Two to four. Two to five. Okay. How come Board Game Geek does not have? Oh like, wow! Now we're doing. Ooh. Now we're doing rips on BGG. Harsh. Yeah. Like, how come they don't? Where am I not reading the? Where do the ducks come into play? Uh, well, I, quacks is like because you're you're cause charlatan. You're, you're like a bad doctor. Yeah. Right. You're like a quack. So where are the ducks then? No ducks. Oh. People that are are scammers can be this, called quacks. So it's a bunch of quacks. But usually they have ducks. <sighs> All right, <laughs> we'll come back to the quacks. Uh, uh, Wolfgang Warsh is the designer, and I think he's also done some other stuff. If I was more up on my, we're we're gonna have to it. we're gonna have to just let Troy kind of like noodle us around noodle us around for a while and we can talk about what we've been playing have you got anything to the table recently josh played some gloomhaven yeah yeah with you oh that's right and, and troy and with troy and friend of the show marlin is he though does he listen he doesn't do podcasts he's a friend he does, he does listen a friend of he, the group he listens occasionally no he said he doesn't do podcasts he was very public about it yeah well he honestly he's listened that's hmm. what he told me questionable We'll see. All right. Add us. Add us, Marlon, <laughs> if you listen to this. <laughs> um, yeah, so we sat down. Uh, it had been a while since we played, and we did the intro adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Josh, we and we have both talked about it a little bit in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Troy's done researching Quacks of Quedlinburg, we could no, ask I'm him like, it, a little bit. No, I'm like, Board Game Geek is driving me crazy because it's only giving me wow. like the German publisher, and I can't figure out like 
how to tell me like it's got it does have a u.s distribution person and i can't figure out what it let's, is let's let's do this troy talk to josh about um Gloomhaven. About Gloomhaven experience. So this is my it. first Gloomhaven experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game that had been very hyped and excited to play, mm-hmm. and we got in and we I enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't sure about uh, you know it's like what are the mechanics and is it going to be just kind of a dungeon crawl? I found the me- the combat mechanic to me was so much fun. Like the the way you use your cards for different things and how they represent you kind of getting tired. And as you go through the battle, like each turn you lose a card and that, so you have to kind of make more and more decisions and the use something, what the top of one card and the bottom. And so you're looking at the different combinations and how some of the cards you only get one, you know, one big attack. Well then it's going to go out of your deck and out of your hand. So I feel like there's a lot, I can see why people, while you can, in the end, a dungeon crawl and you're kind of doing the same thing kind of over and over, but there's so much kind of in the combat and strategy around how you're going to use your cards in combat and how we work together, right? Like a good mm-hmm. dungeon party, like you couldn't, there were times like, Hey, I can't, you can't do it on your own and don't get caught out by yourself. Otherwise the, you know, like a lot of times I think Josh, you were running the tank and we, we'd like thinking like, he's really the tank and we put him in front and then the AI from the monsters would like, <laughs> Just oh, me. look, yeah. he's got 85 arrows in him. Maybe I'll <laughs> heal him and then go to the back and maybe we shouldn't just have you be the, out there by yourself. So I I, I thought that was interesting. I can see why people really, really like the game. I can see why, why it's different. Like I don't can't think of another thing that's kind of the same in that from the, that combat and how it works out. And and that's just scratching the surface. Like right. I mean, Ty, like you said, there's mm-hmm. a whole legacy component where like and there's so many more characters and so yeah, I can see why that why Gloom, yeah. Gloomhaven is Gloomhaven. I mean yeah. it's it's over two hundred hours of gameplay when it comes down to it. What um what is interesting of note, what I wanted to add is Isaac Childress, the designer, is working on um and it might be out or it's coming out soon, is like a Gloomhaven streamlined. It's um mm-hmm. it's like twenty five uh adventures yep. in playable in less time so people can access, you know, the core of what it is, but not the huge long epic level campaign in a more consumable uh, version that's cool yeah and how much is that like a loss not even say a loss leader right but that's going to be a stepping so like how many people are going to play that and then they're like oh now i can dive into who wouldn't yeah. even consider right the big board game people who would be scared off and yeah because i think gloomhaven has some a little bit of crossover possibility right there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are kind of you know maybe they're just role players they don't do a lot of board game kind of stuff and they're probably intimidated by the giant <laughs> yeah. gloomhaven thing but it's a lot yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot there uh there's also an app app integ- integration um gloomhaven which looks pretty cool um out there either coming soon or in in beta might be even out i don't know but it, it's a ip that lends itself to a lot of adaptation and you know different um different avenues than the traditional board game yeah i'd I'd forgotten how much i really liked it um and well i mean (laughs) we've talked about it and we've glowing reviews but i i kind of forgotten how much i truly truly enjoyed it um so yeah i was really glad that we got it to the table um, North Star Games, by the way. Yeah, I, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Thank you, Ty, because I just figured that out, too. Well, well yeah. done. And it is the 2018 uh, Kennerspiel de Jaras winner. So that's, that's uh, so other people like the game, too, is probably what that means, at least in Germany. At least the committee that votes on that. Mm-hmm. Other other people. They qualify <laughs> as other people. 
<laughs> um, excellent. You also did some other uh, board games when you were on your work yeah, expedition. So, so I will kind of go in that because the other game we played out there was Azul, which I think we've we've talked about in the past, and that's um, the game where you pull out the tiles and other pull stuff out of bag. I don't know. That must have been our theme for the for the evening. Um, what was interesting is we had brought me and another guy, and he was from Toronto, which is funny, and he was like a hardcore gamer. And then we brought another guy who is actually from the Dominican Republic. Um, he's, he was just curious, like, hey, I want to come and I understand this gaming kind of thing. So we started with Azul, which is kind of, I, it's fairly straightforward. There's a lot of strategy to it, right? You're pulling out the tiles. You have to place them on your board. And as you fill up different rows, then you come over and you fill out the pattern. Uh, and then you score different points as you as you pull them over. Um, and we'll go super deep into it because I think we've talked about it before. But so it's interesting. We started with that, thinking that's kind of an interesting gateway game. Um, and he was like, oh, you know, that was interesting. And then we played Quacks and Quetlinburg, and that was the game he actually really enjoyed, which was funny because you're like, well, that's almost, you know, that's got some hardcore Euro stuff to it. Um, so that was interesting just to bring somebody who, again, he kind of, you know, definitely had some interesting kind of stuff so but to have him kind of dive into a little bit of a deeper game was good but where we played is when i would touch i was out in albuquerque new mexico for the first time ever and we found a place called the empire board game library which is right near the university of new mexico which is probably why there's a board game library and this was kind of a pay-to-play kind of place so you went in uh large um you know huge library of different games and interesting very um organized very well like each game section had a little sticker on it like where it is and and what was what didn't make me feel bad at all about i think you paid two two or three dollars an hour for how long you were there plus it was a cafe i think we got like drinks and some people somebody actually ate um so decent food in terms of service but a lot of really uh concierge type service from from the board game kind of place so like a lot of very helpful staff in terms of what do we like that when we were getting quacks and Quetlinburg, we had played Azul and then we're like, oh, what should we play another thing? Um, walked us through kind of had it like, what do you think? What do you kind of like? Walked us through, picked out different options. We said, oh yeah, let's play quacks of Quetlinburg. We had heard about that, um, but neither of us had played it. He brought it to the table, basically did the Rodney um, thing, broke up, help us do the whole setup walked us through the rules kind of the first turn said hey if you need help or questions let me know whatever so i mean i was just super impressed at, which about you know they kind of serve which made sense right because i think if it was like i go in kind of a typical like some of the places around here i pull a game off the shelf and whatever why am i paying two or three dollars an hour right for that but mm-hmm. um, the level of service which i had never had in like a i guess i'd never been to a board game real cafe before um, was outstanding i mean the the guy that helped us was was really good um yeah and so which got us up and running for quacks and quetlinburg you know like that and we knew how to play the game and off and going so so That's it's awesome. only helpful to people who are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but I think it also <laughs> might, <laughs> but I think it was a really interesting, like I, I'm sure that that experience is in other places um, around the country and some of these different board games cafe. But I think that would be my, like, I, again, I don't know that I would go to a place if it was just like I'm renting a game. Um, I think you do have to kind of back it up with, right, some service or, and some, some helpful staff. I think that, that definitely made it. And so, so it's really cool for, uh, my first experience at a board game library. So <laughs> maybe we should start one. That'll be our. I like it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that that'll pay the bills. 
That might be like a, a retirement plan. We open up. You don't think $2 an hour for the four people that come in for the... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Plus drinks. Plus drinks. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Board Game Library. New career pursuit. Divided by the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's ramen again tonight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so I haven't been doing much board gaming outside of Gloomhaven, um, but... Uh, playing a bit of mage. We are um, kind of working on getting to a spot where we can suspend our mage campaign for a while to work on some other stuff. Um, but I've uh, been playing that pretty regularly. Um, and it, it, it brings up just an interesting point. As you know, you're coming to kind of a stopping point. We're trying to get it to somewhere we can still return to. Mm-hmm. So there's that I don't know if it's just me, but there's that urge to like kind of do wilder things, like really push <laughs> push limits a little bit because you're coming towards the stopping yep. point. But then it's also being mindful of the characters and like the the world you've built to like mm-hmm. understand this is just a, a real life like pause, yeah. not a, you know, end of end of the world type scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's been fun. So we have a few more sessions before we're going to. Uh, kind of transition to some other stuff, but um, I also picked up Borderlands Three uh, when that had come out for the the PlayStation Four, and I've been playing that. Um, it's it's pretty interesting because the voice acting in that mm-hmm. franchise. I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm the character that's voiced by uh, Chris Hardwick oh. in like kind of a <laughs> Scottish type accent or something. Right. So like. It's just interesting. And all the other characters, there's a lot of really good They're voice characters. actors. And recognizing some of them from other other things and other work. Um, so playing a bit of Borderlands. Going to try to get that through the winter until Last of Us 2 and then Cyberpunk 2077 comes out where I don't know if I'll do anything except for play video games when <laughs> those two games land. So not a lot of analog board gaming. No AOS since NashCon. It's been kind of a a very dead board gaming hobby gaming streak for me. The last, that's like only like a month. Yeah. A little over. Yeah. But, um, we did Gloomhaven. Yeah. That's it though. That well, was, I'm just saying his only... AOS, like AOS, oh, not AOS, playing AOS yeah. for like six weeks. It's probably the yeah. longest break you've had mm-hmm. for a while. You got the shakes. Yeah. No, I'm I'm fine. Um, we actually were we we did not make it to Circle City, so we were going to be going to the Circle City Clash, but some stuff came up, and um, we decided if one person from the team couldn't go, we just weren't going to go. So looked like they had fun um, at the event, but our our team did not uh, did not attend. We were a, a last minute drop. So, um. Somebody else played another game, and then I'm going to get into the the really fun part that at least one person listens for. Um, so I threw on here. We I did play Downforce a little bit. I think I might have talked about it before, though. Um, so again, if Downforce is a racing game by um, uh, Restoration Games, it's really a it's their version of they kind of took an old game and they sped it up. Uh, it's basically racing with betting. So basically, you buy and it's not and you get a team of cars and then. The card movement, which is similar to a Reiner Knizzi game um, that I also have, an older one, where each card moves all the cars. And so it's strategy around kind of making the best play for the cars you want to win and the least good for the cards you don't want to win. And 
Uh, and then the scoring is not, is a combination of how much like the, how, how good your car is placed one or two, you can either have one or two cars, how good is your placed, how good the cars you bet on place. So in other words, it three times during the race, you can place bets on who you think is going to win. Um, I think first, second or third, or at least win. Um, and then your final score is kind of the points you got from that, the points you got from betting minus the points you got to buy your car. Cause it's kind of a bidding, um, bidding war to, to, or an auction to kind of get your cars in those. So real interesting. I real interesting game. I like tend to like racing board games in general. And that's, it's just has a little different spin on it. And, uh, and, uh, again, you can play with, uh, fairly many people. So, uh, and nice components again, uh, when restoration games redoes something, they kind of do it top notch. So really cool. So I, I don't remember. I think I may have talked about it before, but again, really nice game. If you want, if you're into racing games and, and again, it's something also that, has a really low barrier entry, so kind of one of those kind of uh, gateway kind of games, too. Cool. And now what everyone is waiting for, we're going to do tonight's Dungeons & Dragons recap, brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. So, last time, I have no idea what we told everyone where we were at, but I think we talked about live D&D. Yep. I think that sounds right. Yep, so it was basically finish the big combat in the throne room. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you guys kind of cleaned up. Um, Bryce's uh, diviner had a conversation after um, basically magically binding a, a harmless woman that was a, looked like perhaps a captive, if not a trophy of the, the frost giant Jarl. Um well, the rest of the group explored around and found a bunch of treasure that you guys decided you can't use because you only have one melee class. So a DM must be a real monster if he gives you a bunch of really cool, awesome magic weapons and armor and stuff um, when nobody nobody mm. can use it. He is a monster. Uh, and then you guys negotiated with another one of the Frost Giants to kind of watch over the keep. Got some information about where to go to... Uh, find the ring of winter so you began a overland march through a really inhospitable terrain and weather oh you fought a uh you went back and fought a dragon and oh, was there. Yeah, i forgot dragon. about that yep where paul's um d- druid with air quotes um <laughs> the drow mage disguised as a, a elven druid um, who's he really disguised from since anymore? the whole party no, yeah, knows no one, no one now. Oh, okay, but just yeah. saying, he's still disguised. Yeah. yeah, you still don't know why he's disguised <laughs> or what he was doing. But um, so he tried to solo the dragon for three turns as your buffs all ticked down <laughs> by going up top and getting trapped up there and nearly died. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. I <laughs> killed two of you guys during that dragon combat, though. Yep, mm-hmm. I died. So that was the highlight of my year. <laughs> Um, Tom's cleric actually had to use um, whatever oh, yeah. raised it, not yeah, raised whatever, it, whatever, yeah, the fire or whatever, kind to, of the yeah, the cheap version of raised yeah, dead to, to save the, the, the when dead you're, guys when you're only mostly dead. Mm-hmm. So then you started heading out towards the other keep where you found a massive rift. Uh, you learned some information. Three of the party did a everybody sleeping. Let's think a run to Candlekeep, so they teleported back and had a Candlekeep mini adventure. Got some info on dragons and the Ring of Winter itself. Um, 
And then you guys came in to this huge rift with these gems that was like a null magic zone with a ton of enemies and spent a long time trying to figure out what you're going to do there. If you're going to break in a different way, if you're going to whatever. Ultimately, you realized charging in would be pretty bad. And then the ancient dragon pinned you in and you teleported out. And that's where the, the drow in disguise thought, well, maybe we can get there through the Underdark. And that's where we are now, in the Underdark. Um, and what I just want to reference is, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. I spent some time talking to Andrew about D&D on the Rantcast, Mr. Mephisto. And we talked about subverting expectations of your players and your party. So I'd been kind of working on the Underdark loop for a while. Um, and I was anticipating you guys either throwing yourselves recklessly into the fight and maybe <laughs> losing a few and then backing out or I wasn't sure exactly how you were going to handle You're that. Like how stupid but, are these guys? Well, that's what he was thinking. It was basically yep. like the intent was set up something that appears not like just not possible. Mm-hmm. Like this is a yep. fight we can't win yet. You guys still tried to like, engineered into a way where you participate in the fight and i'm like i think this is weird so i think we all thought there was some sort of something we were missing at least that's where i was at i was like what am what am i missing there's got to be some sort of and there was there's there's other ways in outside of the underdark too yeah other past things you could have done yeah it it just seemed like a cool puzzle i think that Mm -hmm. was it's like all right how can we and some of it is like even maybe things ways ties hasn't thought of like other ways we can think of that would Mm -hmm. work to yeah so it was like how could we yeah what what's this puzzle but it also felt like yeah we but also like we need time to think about this puzzle like yeah (laughs) right staring at these uh the orcs uh is not gonna help us here especially with this dragon flying in after us so Mm -hmm. yep um, but yeah, so now you're in the Underdark being led by one of the drow, uh, a path that he has not really told anyone um, what you face, but I spelled it out to him. There's kind of three ways he could go, and he chose the um, mind flared filled labyrinthian way. So I'm sure that'll be fun. <laughs> mind flares, elder brains, they're always fun. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, we'll see what happens um, in subsequent Underdark mm-hmm. exploration. Yeah. Um, how many times Akachi will refuse to sell his flaming at great axe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of like the Underdark. There's mushroom sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is fun because it's given me a chance to use uh, some of the material out from out of the abyss. So kind of being able to reference some of the stuff from one of the uh, adventure books that I think is interesting, but I don't know if I'd ever actually like run that adventure because it's a little weird. But there are elements of it that have helped yeah. influence and kind of some choices that I've I can take. So that's cool. D and D, fun you game. You got to close it out. And that is tonight's Dungeons and Dragons recap, brought to you by Mister Mephisto. At Mister Meph, Mister Underscore Meph. At Mister Underscore Meph on Twitter. Yeah. Not Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. And then I hear the music in the background. And I'm like, yeah, music's going to take me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hobby. Who is? Hobby. I was down doing some hobby stuff. I was hobbying a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Tom was going to borrow my Flesh Eater Quartz for Circle City. So, um, I didn't have a Crypt Guest Courtier. Um, so, I quick 
I had I had an idea and I had parts of it already done, so I kind of just assembled and painted and finished it up. So it's actually a ploy just for you to keep working on and stuff. It, it's good. <laughs> it, it, to- it totally got me going, so that's awesome. Um, and then yeah, I had some Crypt flares and a Vargolf um, and and basing to do for those. So I kind of started doing all that as well. So yeah, I'm kind of half in the project of those, and I had the um the crypt gas courtier uh like all ready for tom but i wanted to kind of work on those other things too so no it was good that's kind of been my hobby for the most part i've actually been hobbying and i broke i started i think i talked about i did an armager which is the little tiny knight for um, 40k um he's not little tiny he's like the mini knight model that we use for the airbrush class and so in the airbrush class we got it we did like the major parts of the armor and everything else but i had never like finished assembling them and like do the last and get the armor on them and do the trim and everything else like that so finally was motivated to pull that out and put the finishing touches on him and and uh, throw them out there so that was that felt good is um, that a, a model for 40k or is that for yeah okay cool um and yeah it's not the little ones like um titanicus it's yeah the, okay um, it's yeah the that's sort of what i was wondering is, is, cane. it's not the it's like a 14 it's the smaller ones cool the little guys i'm just not familiar with the name so yep. yeah yeah cool. so it's about the size of like a dreadnought a little bigger than a dreadnought cool um so got that which ended up looking pretty cool and then working on going to dragonfall uh, the gentleman's tournament there which is just like a three three thing so putting and also for eric and i doing our kind of escalation league kind of thing with <laughs> a few of us, a couple of us enough to do it. Uh, but that's at least motivating me to get them out. And so I have about 20 guys I want to kind of add in for the genes of the cult. Uh, some of the new guys and actually add in a bunch of special weapons. Cause I have most of my army I had were guys and they didn't have any of the cool, like saw rock saws and things like that, that actually work and make it a really cool army. So adding all those built all those guys and they're, primed and work my way through them in the next two weeks something like that i gotta get those guys in good shape for later this month so yeah i need to um get a sprint on for havoc i got a week longer than you um but i've got a concept for my warlord and uh and then one more hero an ally for my my army um to kind of connect the forces that bryce and i are bringing um so Got to do the build, and it's it's a lot of conversion work on both of them, and then paint them. So, um, looking at twenty days, it'll probably come down pretty close to the wire. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start doing some, you know, I'm hobby, have to do some hobby, hobby hangouts hobby so focus. that we can yeah. uh, motivate each other. Yeah, I just gotta be regimented about it. I mean, I I haven't done like real hobby in several months and it's it's kind of like okay i can do this i can get back to <laughs> to building models painting models um i keep thinking i'm going to i do a day or two and then i don't for a month so yeah. um yeah and then uh i'm doing some world building so i'm keeping writing and kind of yeah. designing cities and places and npcs and deities and um just having some fun with with that and uh, using Dungeon Fog, which we're going to play at our sleigh, uh, for some map making utilities and stuff. So, having a lot of fun with that creation. Cool. And 
3D printing is happy, I guess. That's yeah, what we're calling. Sure. Uh, and so I've been, I printed a, um, did end up doing a bunch of stuff for Brendan, and which went out easy. He just asked, wanted some cool stuff. So I, I won't spoil it in case he's hiding that. Um, so I did some stuff, and then I was continuing to do some other stuff that I was going to do for Bryce and experiment myself. Uh, and in wonderful Murphy's Law, did like a 55 hour print of some terrain stuff, basically in about the last half hour it clogs it and kind of wrecks the what you've seen kind of stuff so i had to do some and then i just kind of like whatever and i say so let it sit there for probably a week <laughs> just mad mad yeah, yeah. i'm like oh, i need to and i kind of i'm like oh it's clogged and whatever and actually ended up so i ended up having to kind of go through and i guess i've had that for almost a year probably about 10 months uh without any real problems on my ender three so i can't complain too much and i just had to kind of go in and replace the nozzle and then they actually had to replace some of the what they call Bowden tube, which is the tube that the stuff runs through, because it was the end was all kind of probably all. What happens is it gets worn, it gets a little rough, and then the filament kind of gets stuck in there, and that's how you get some kind of clogs. But uh, looks like I got that figured out, and got to do a little bit of just uh, uh, line it all up again, and kind of do a little bit of um, leveling and stuff like that. But it looks like it's back in shape and, and going again. But so not too bad. But that's another you know, the hobby inside the hobby. So. <laughs> <laughs> get to the, the slaves working again <laughs> all right kickstarter let's uh let's zip through this and then we can we can keep going any campaigns you guys are looking at interested in fulfilling so i think i saw that one was interesting i don't know if it's actually still going on is the root rpg and you guys have played root more than i have um, but I thought it was interesting that they're doing an RPG with the, the different root races. That um, world. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested cause it's, it's like one forest. It's kind of limited in, you know, what the fact, I, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. So yeah. I, and I, ha- I haven't dug too more. I was more of like making, be, bringing it to your awareness. Cause I'm yeah. like, Oh, that's an interesting guy. Uh, I think I saw something I thought, huh? Cause it, it just doesn't feel like, <laughs> like, is there enough there? <laughs> like there's a, a whole world there, but maybe. Could be it's just a forest. You have to stay in, in the little forest. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't leave the forest. <laughs> uh, this next one I did throw something in. I thought it was interesting where Simon kind of announced that they were cleaning out the warehouse. They're like somebody stumbled in and like, look, we still have stuff left over from these old Kickstarters, um, which was like Zombicide Black Plague. And I think it was Hate and something else uh, together. And they just kind of did a really quick. I think it was on like a week and and it was just like you can order i think the new thing because in kickstarter to be legal right you always have to have some new thing that you're doing i think they're actually doing like um, a soundtrack or something for the different games that was available and some kind of like an art maybe an art book for each so that was part of it but then there was also stuff that from the old kickstarters that you could p- kind of pick up as kind of the time machine that's what they meant so that you could get stuff that was only available in those kickstarters in there uh, and i think it's still available in a late pledge you can still go in and if you want to get some Black Plague, uh, whatever the the bow guys or something else like that, or something for hate or anything else like that, there's a few things that are in there. So it was interesting, and so, I think I grabbed a couple things from Black Plague that I'm, I didn't have I'm gonna, before. I'm going to put my soapbox on the oh. floor quick because <laughs> that feels just wrong to me. Like <laughs> we're going to use Kickstarter, which is a vehicle where you really should be like launching projects. And and Simon, for what it's worth, I know we all like back mm-hmm. their stuff, but. They're really at the point where 
you don't need to raise ten million dollars via Kickstarter to do what you want to do. It, it's it's overkill yeah. now mm-hmm. to come and say like we have all this old stuff. We're going to do a Kickstarter campaign for a book or like yeah, a right. CD, yeah. and then have all that. Put it up that on just, your website. Right. It just yeah. feels I, yeah. That feels shitty. Like yeah. Especially given, you know, there's a lot of hubbub about Kickstarter right. in general and their corporate practices right now. Yeah. And like, um, I don't know. It's just a that leaves yeah. me with kind of a bad feeling from Simon doing doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. a, it is interesting, like why they continue to use Kickstarter. Like, is the is the it's almost like as a marketing tool. Is it that that platform? Like, they get enough out of that platform versus you look at like what Stonemeyer did. Like, they, yeah. he totally left because he's like, I'm. But what does he do? Like he still does the pre-orders, and how did that uses the same kind of mechanism to make sure he knows what the demand is and prints the right amount and mm-hmm. and things like that. Like Simon could do the same thing, and they wouldn't be giving the whatever that percentage to Kickstarter yeah, I, over the top. It feels like again, or is it again in their mind? Maybe it's like, hey, this is uh, uh, something that a core competency that we don't need to have in terms of pre-order well, and stuff. Yeah, and taking it, advantage it of removes it, and, it removes a lot of the risk. Yeah, but, some, but I, I don't know how much yeah. risk they have at this point. Right. Well, and they say they could do. It feels like they could do their own pre-order system yeah. to accomplish the same thing yeah. and get rid of the risk. But yeah, maybe, so I, I maybe agree that's with you. That's a kind discussion of for another day. But that that strikes me as just it, uh, you're not you're not funding no. any like no. work. Like no, printing right. a book right. is cheap. Mm-hmm. Making a CD an audio track. Right. Doing cheap, doing a like, new game is one thing. Yeah. Right. It's it's you can kind of like, sculpt, give them a the pass. Artist, like, right. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, and it totally look. I mean, basically, it's like, well, we have to, you know, it's, you had to have some new pro, yeah. new thing to well, do. Kickstart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kickstart my garage sale, and the new thing is gonna be I'll sign a poster and send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it sounds. It sounds like a yep. big company saying we're gonna clear out all the old crap from our basement. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry. You so just have to do away. a soundtrack. You can do a CD. You could sing. Yeah. You record a record. Yeah. Shame on you, Simon. Yeah, yeah. But we like this next thing. Yes, we do. Yeah, who, who's all in on this? Sea King's I Malice. Think, well, I, I backed in and said, yeah. hey, guys, one day left. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys remembered to then back it or had backed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, kind of the, I don't know, underwater adventure uh, by Frog God Games for 5Ed. And what was the other system? Um, I think Pathfinder, wasn't it? Was it Pathfinder? Mm-hmm. No. It was like Sword and Sorcery oh, or OSR, one of the yeah, old Yeah, like, something like that. And and Elena Danner did the cover mm-hmm. art for Sea King's Malice, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, so they, they sent us the PDF. I, I haven't really dived in, dove into it yet, but I uh, kind of flipped through it a little bit. Um, but it, yeah, it sounds like um, books are on a slow boat from China. So at least that's... I think that was the last update so uh but yeah the the pdf is cool there's a lot of really good stuff in it and it's huge so I'm kind of excited kind of excited we'll uh we'll have to do a full review of it later because i think we'll we'll have some good point counterpoint because um it was help me with i can't think of his name now game hole alex alex camera camera uh wrote it um and I, I think I was expecting more than I feel mm. like I got. Like I've read the adventure, so it would be fun, like to actually read yeah. it and do a little and review. do like a review of it because I think we'll have some, some differing differing yeah. opinions. Sure, which is always yep. fun when you have differing opinions. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, kickstarting. I'm going to kickstart episode 39. Um, and the new thing is going to be the new episode you get. But I'm going to start a campaign for our next episode. That sounds awesome. Sounds good. Cool. All right, speaking of episodes, other items of geekery and stuff. Um, I recently uh, was on Twitch for my first time, which is really cool. I did a uh, live stream Dungeons and Dragons with... Um, with Andrew, Mr. Meff. It was your second time. Um, uh, wasn't your game streamed on Twitch? Uh, Honest War Gamer yep. from, from NashCon. Yeah. <laughs> it's your second time. Yeah. I wasn't really you know, like talking, though, in no, that one. You were, you were on there. I could yeah. see your hands and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So <laughs> my first time uh, with a microphone, um, really, like, where I'm paying attention. <laughs> Did a live stream D&D on uh, Mr. Meff's uh, Twitch stream. With Bryce and uh, Fletch, Austin, and uh, Brandon, another guy that's in Andrew's regular D&D group. It was like D&D modern. We played like six hours. Had a lot of fun, but kind of zany adventure. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was entertaining, though. We had a blast. Um, and then I also... He's been doing this uh, podcast kind of talking head style um, AOS... Uh, podcast on on his Twitch, he broadcast live, interact with the chat, calling it the Rantcast. Then he'd put it up on like the the video on YouTube the next day, and now he's actually put on a whole bunch of different podcast things. But I was on Rantcast episode nine, where we um, we talked a lot about tournament, uh, why you go to tournaments. There's an Australian guy, um, Peter Atkinson, uh, Plastic Crack or Crack mm-hmm. Plastic Crack, that wrote a blog post about why you go to tournaments. So we spent a lot of, a lot of time talking about just the mindset and that it's not only to go play on the top tables and, and win like that's certainly a motivator, but um, you know what your expectations are, what you get out of it. And it was, it was a fun, you know, fun discussion. And then we talked about some D and D and we're both, um, you know, storytellers in, in a way and uh, had a really nice conversation, a lot of fun interacting with the chat. It was just a cool forum to, to really share some thoughts and, and talk. So check out his, uh, his Twitch. Um, he's doing a, a marathon this month. Every night he's broadcasting either AOS content or playing like spooky video games. Um, people drop in and, and chat. He's doing some giveaways. So um, Mr. Meff on, on Twitch, you can find his Twitter handle that we've talked about too in the past at Mr. Underscore Meff. But give him some love. Check him out. Um, it was certainly really cool to participate and, and hang out with him. Um, speaking of other cool things going on in the AOS community, um, right now uh, there is a worldwide escalation league that Bryce, um, so Moose Geek and Tristan, uh, affectionately called Tomb King Tristan, at Tristan Gray um, on Twitter, have organized it's a narrative um escalation league with people all over the place so focused on building the narrative putting together you know a unit here there so october is the narrative for your army and your general um november will be like you know one of your battle line units and then if you can get your local stores involved your local community it's like 55 people in the discord we'll try to get the discord link out there or at least direct to to the twitter uh chains where it's at but it's heavy narrative. It's people from all over. It's really cool seeing some of the Australian guys, Canada, the U.S. I think a couple of the British guys are are in. So it's it's really becoming this kind of worldwide um, uh, community thing, which is is pretty cool. 
cool. I should join that so I can get my Sylvaneth back and running. And so, so the and the intent is it'll be about a six month thing. It'll be you build a two thousand point army in time for right around Adepticon. Mm-hmm. So maybe the the goal would be you know get some games. A, a, Adepticon is kind of the mecca mm-hmm. for miniature gaming, at least in the U.S. and and people mm-hmm. coming from all over. So a good opportunity to have an army ready for Adepticon uh, to to participate or get some narrative battles in with um, with whoever else is is there. So. I landmine tweeted out, I think it was over the weekend and actually Ty, I think you retweeted it, which is when I saw it also, uh, was Nikki Sullivan. And I think for, this is like the second or third year she's been doing extra life. Um, she's a miniature painters, uh, on, that she streams on Twitch and, um, seen her stuff around at like Adepticon and things like that. Um, she got Sullivan studios with her and her husband. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, really cool stuff that there, but she's doing an extra life, um, uh, fundraiser uh, and landmine has donated a whole bunch of stuff and he's actually got some sales going on on his site where if you if you kind of buy certain things uh, he's basically donating uh, part of those proceeds end up going to the extra life thing so uh, believe it or not he had some stuff that I might have wanted on there um, <laughs> so I threw some some things on there um, and then but I, yeah I'd encourage I think he's kind of continue to do that for the next couple weeks uh, and I think Nikki's doing stuff to kind of the next couple of weeks where she does stuff on her live stream and gives things away and continues the group for, for extra life and extra life uh, is uh, if you're not aware charity for local children hospitals um, kind of all over the country and you can kind of tag for what kind of hospital hospital that you want to go to and so I mean that's a cause that's uh, kind of close to to, to, to me um, you know, when my daughter was born she spent the first couple of weeks uh, at children's here and I, we're very lucky that she's totally healthy, but you look at some of the other families that are there and people there and just the staff at the, the children's hospital is amazing nurses and doctors and everything else like that. So something that I'm always very happy to give back to and, and continue to, to support. So you can do it if you want to spend some money or just throw some money at Nikki. Yeah. Encourage that. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on in, in the community. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, I just, to, to, to wax on this topic a little bit, wax poetic, is it? I don't know what I'm <laughs> waxing on, waxing off Mr. Miyagi. Um, but I, I've seen that a lot over the last few months. Um, so speaking of extra life and charity, today is also uh, world mental health day, yep. like kind of awareness just about that. But the community we've got here, there's a lot of really great people um, and really open people. Um, you know, Mini Stomp being just such a great proponent of it. Um, Bryce, Tristan, Nikki, all, all these people that we kind of already talked mm-hmm. about, Andrew. Um, it's cool to see this kind of web of how people are connected and what, you know, gamers give yeah. back, which is, is a pretty common thread from what we mm-hmm. see. Um, so... You know, today of all days, it's it's cool just to see people doing good out there and, and those acts of kindness that it can it can be a little a little dark as you head into the fall. So it's yep. nice to <laughs> get a little a little bit of sunshine here and there. Um, speaking of sunshine, um, Joe Abercrombie's new book hit like a ray of sunshine <laughs> in September. A uh, little hatred. A little hatred. Um, I'm actually reading it. And then listening to it or listening yep. to it, then reading it. So I'm doing both concurrently. So I'm getting it twice. Uh, so I'm not as far as I should be through it, but I'm like doing the read a chapter, go back and listen to it. 
because uh, Stephen Pacey is amazing Stephen on Audible. Stephen Pacey is amazing. And yeah. Again, I think I've said before, my favorite narrator, because um, it's a performance. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a performance. And the, Josh, this is, you listen on one. You yeah. Listen you listen at normal, so you up. don't speed this up. Stephen Pacey, you put it on one, you listen normal, and you and you just soak it in. So, yeah. So, a little hatred. We're not going to do the right. full review, um, but it advances the storyline mm-hmm. from his first law books and some yep. of those other books about 25 years yep, it yep, feels like yep. um roughly uh and the the world is looking at an industrial revolution of sorts so you have this like dark gritty medieval <laughs> fantasy <laughs> world meeting this steampunk yeah. era not steampunk but like industrial industrial age. yeah it just yeah it's been the, the yeah whatever growing of some different kind of civilization which has been interesting so yeah, it's it's uh, loving that though, and I made the mistake. I'm I'm reading like four books at one time again, uh, and I finally just powered through and finished Shotgun Arcana, which is like Weird West. R.S. Belcher. There's one more book in that series that's out. Um, I'm reading Chuck Wendig's The Wanderers. I'm reading Sam Sykes Seven Blades in <laughs> Black. Still like trying to get these things done. So it's a lot of reading. And I have dove back into Children of Ruin, which is the sequel to Children of Fate from last year. And uh, just, uh, I don't know, a few hours into that listening. Pages. Children of Time? Uh, Children of Time, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Children of Time. The um, Tchaikovsky or yeah, whatever. Adrian Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, it, it takes, um, again, it, it's the same kind of universe from there. So it was interesting to see how it started out a little bit and I wasn't sure where it was going to go and then I'll hit the spot and I'm like, all right, yes. I'm gonna. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting how, how it goes. I really like his, his books in terms of sci-fi because I can't imagine, again, I don't know how much, like it's hard enough sci-fi and I don't know how much research he does. Like there's so much research he must do on um, how kind of different species and animals because he kind of, the story all kind of involves and how these things work and language and communication and things like that. So really kind of cool ideas for, for that stuff, which I think is why I really get into it because yeah, Children's Time was like my, my favorite book of was that last year, year before, whatever it was. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what how good this one is. And then uh, we're coming up to end of the year where we can have the discussion for what was the best, the book favorite of the book of yeah. the year. It's interesting this year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'll have any. There's a couple in the running, but I don't know if there's. I've I've got four that are going to be hard right. to yeah. to pick. So we'll do that though. Um, also, this is reading. Um, I bought the alternate cover of Descent into Avernus. So I love Baldur's Gate, the old video games, the the city in the in the Forgotten Realms. Descent into Avernus, uh, Dungeons and Dragons new book, levels one to thirteen adventure where you end up going into the the nine hells. Um, it's got some really cool um, additions to where Baldur's Gate is now in the current timeline. Um, this the city in hell, you know, the level of hell, like different demons the rules it's it's just an awesome book the uh the design and the art on this one um is is really solid so i'm I'm enjoying my read through this i had wanted to do this uh for the campaign but i was i was outvoted by the players even though i didn't really vote but (laughs) asked you guys if you wanted to do a new campaign or keep going because this was the one that i was 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 gonna do do for sure if we started something um new with our tomb of annihilation group so um, but I'm I'm enjoying a read. It's it's a it's a good one. We still have options. Yeah, I just need the white kills the party. kills us all mm-hmm. next week and says, guess what? Next week, uh, roll up a first level character and go. Yeah. That's actually what I thought the orc cave was. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gonna 
Yeah. Let's put things Send in front us of us. Send the meat grinder and bring see the if, ancient dragon in behind. Yeah, see and, if, uh, yeah. yeah, how dumb we really are. <laughs> who who followed the banana plan? Oh, how did we miss banana? Oh, I know. Yeah. So helm of teleportation, Gussie. Tom's a gnome cleric has a helm now of teleportation. And you guys have devised it's our a safe, safe word. Yeah, it's our safe word. Uh, for teleport um, out of there. And it's banana. Yeah. So a lot of reference to, okay, when are, are we going to banana now? Banana. <laughs> banana time. <laughs> banana. Banana. Um, cool. Any, uh, any other audible or listening or anything? No, I've been, I've been. You crushed your goal, and you were like, "I'm done." Yeah, I'm done. I, yeah, I, I what took are a, books? I, I took a, I took a minor pause, <laughs> and I was trying to catch up on podcasts, and I haven't went, went nice. back to books yet. So, any good podcasts? Uh just the usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a break. Then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about Critical Core rituals uh, from the the Kickstarter for Critical Core, the the role playing game. Um, for children uh, and educators um, that was released sometime this year. Welcome back to the show. I think it would be cool if um, we just start stealing stuff from other podcasts like voices and intros and we make this like Frankenstein's monster of a podcast stitched together from all these different things. Awesome. Just take other people's theme music and kind of cut it in. Yeah. As the break music. Yeah. Absolutely. That would really like freak people out. Mm-hmm. But actually we are back from our break and it is now time to talk about our main topic, the critical core rituals. So talked a little bit about it, but critical core is a, um, accessible uh, format for um, a role-playing game. So it's actually its own role-playing game, leveraging uh, a lot from Dungeons & Dragons and the 5th Ed kind of D20 approach, um, but making it in a very accessible um, format for uh, children that are on the uh, spectrum. So, um, and and the educators, counselors, teachers, parents that may be facilitating these games, but it's really using gaming as um, kind of a way to connect and, and give them an opportunity to socialize, problem solve, do some of those things, um, and, and also lends itself very well to just kids in general um, that sometimes need that routine and that ability to express themselves in you know a safe environment where they can be creative and overcome obstacles. So Critical Core was kickstarted um, and and successfully funded. And as they've developed, they've been putting out kind of their developer insights and updates as they go along in the in the process. Um, and one of them that uh, Troy kind of brought to our attention was they spent some time talking about rituals. Um, r- rituals in general, you know, when we think of role-playing games, are... Um, you know, they're inherent to the experience when you have a group of people gathering to do anything specifically in this case, role-playing games, you get a lot of that where, you know, you go to the same house, you know, our podcast, the ritual is we go to Josh's house, (laughs) we sit around and shoot the, you know, shoot the bowl for a while. We get our beers, we get, but there's ritual in these things. Um, and, and in gaming, what the ritual can really do is help things moving in that regular pattern. So, 
that that routine and that ritual to sync up the the in this case the kids with you know that are on the autism spectrum transition and kids in general i know with our (laughs) our kids when you're transitioning from something Mm -hmm. to another thing that can be the point where they go off the rails and and you know all hell breaks loose so to speak at times so it, 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 they talk about it that rituals refer to anything that's regular, repeated in a set, precise manner, um, and that to to become dysregulated at those gaps is very easy. So the rituals kind of create that consistent experience. Um, so what I think would be important is just reading through what their transitions that are ritualized in this experience, and then we can take some time, kind of you know that that conversation about where we practice these and what are some examples in, in our own game. So yeah. um, I'll go through the, the list and then we'll, we'll kind of dive in and break it down for our, our own gaming ex- experience. So the list of transitions that should be ritualized according to Critical Core, entering the space, beginning the check-in, concluding the check-in, receiving the character sheets and dice, recapping the story, beginning the play, ending the play, a series of checkout questions, and then ending the, the game session itself and leaving the space. So um, I think that is nine kind of transitions. Uh, we'll take a little bit of time to talk about all of them. Um, now, entering the space, you know, in a traditional gaming group, you're coming into a room, sitting at a table yeah. together. But what's kind of unique for us in a lot of our role-playing games are, you know, we're, we're doing this online using you know discord or google hangout or some type of video chat or chat to to gather so um you know what what are some rituals you guys see in this and it could be games you do in person or or our kind of digital games but entering the space as a a ritual for getting into the sink of things yeah and i think it's like you said some of it's just like how are people gathering like whether it's the the time right or like and and are we waiting for people like sometimes it's waiting for people or or making sure that everybody's there i think sometimes it's interesting in a um and you guys you may have that uh, we were talking we'll probably reference your mage game a lot um like when you're in a, a physical space like is it all like always having the same table and do people always sit in like the same chairs and um, and, and some of it could be like, who's bringing the snacks and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and kind of that, but you know, it's always, yeah, it's kind of having that, that ritual around how does the, how does the group come together? Um, and then, and, and right. And sometimes if it's, and if it's not, that's where you can even talk about, you know, we talk about dysregulation for the kids, but I think as a group, right, you're, we're trying to get everybody together. Where's, uh, where's Josh? Dang it. Did he fall asleep again? Why isn't he here? <laughs> Why isn't he here? Right. It kind of gets us out of sort until we get track it out or get people down. So, um, I think it's, it's interesting. And I, again, it could be something like a lot of these and what interested me in just this list is I think like when we do it, a lot of these are kind of implicit and like we, they just kind of happen. Um, and sometimes we don't, think about putting energy, putting energy into these things and making them a little more explicit mm-hmm. to make things go a little smoother. Um, and maybe even walking through and just having people realize, Hey, they are these things that we need to walk th- that make this a better experience for everybody. Um, and so some of it's just turning kind of these implicit things and putting a little more energy and making them explicit and just make, see things go. So, um, so that's, and, and then, so the next thing is kind of beginning the check-in and this is, um, I thought was some interesting, stuff that was kind of a little bit unique to what they're doing with the uh with critical core 
And I think in the check-in, they kind of have a list of questions. And I think, so some of that is, again, to get your kind of your mindset in there and, and, and get the, the, you know, get kids kind of engaged and make sure that their mind's in the right place. And are they ready to kind of be social and walk through? Um, I'm trying to think, I don't know what we do and like the check-in. It might be <laughs> some of that maybe just like, Hey, how's everybody doing? Kind of the banter before, before we dig in. Um, I don't know that we do anything uh, explicit to like warm up our role-playing uh, uh, muscles, but. Well, so one, one thing that kind of stands out just with entering the space, beginning the check-in, um, concluding the check-in, those first three steps, setting the scene in, in the, the digital Roll20 experience, for, for me as the, the GM, it, it's it's difficult at times because I can't see if I have people's attention. And that, that's a struggle in, in general, you know, with just playing, you know, online. If, if you're not on video, you're just on, on voice chat or something. Um, so, like, it, it can be difficult and it can dysregulate, you know, my experience. Like, what's the starting point? Who do I have? So I have to kind of, I don't know if you guys even know this, I kind of verbally confirm, hey, so-and-so, I've got you. All right, are you in <laughs> Roll20? I kind of do the, like the audio check. And that's for me just to know, do I have everyone? Cause there's nothing more frustrating than like getting 10 minutes in and somebody's like, Oh, I, I just got back or I missed that. What like, yeah. um, so like that, that's kind of how I've ritualized mm-hmm. it. And he said, you know, our mage game, it is in person and every, you know, you find your chair. If it's, if it's only Jen and Tom and me, you know, Jen sits on one end of the couch. I sit on the other. Tom sits in a, one chair and Paul sits in a chair. But if Ben's there, Ben sits on the couch. <laughs> I sit in the chair where Paul would sit. Tom sits in the other armchair. Jen's always got her spot. And then Paul shifts over to like the ottoman. So like, you know, we, we have these places and you sit down, you get ready, you get your dice, your tray table, um, settle in. And then the, the check-in for us in that game is, you know, kind of a, all right, um, you know, are, are we good? We talk about the day, talk about whatever, but then it's focus and it's game time. It's not like go down these other tangents. So what is it? I, I mean, I guess I'm interested in the player, the player experience, you know, from. Yes. So uh, I was reading through some of the questions, um, uh, the kind of the beginning check-in type questions. And, um, and, and this is sort of framed in, you know, kids playing, right? So, um, and I think it's sort of geared towards getting them in the right headspace, mm-hmm. which is which is great. You know, um, a, a lot of the questions were like, "Hey, what's your favorite food? What would your character's favorite food be? You know, where's your favorite place to vacation? Mm-hmm. What's you know your character's favorite?" Place? So uh, those type of questions in the in the beginning check in, I think, are cool um, to kind of help differentiate yourself from your character self, you know? So I, 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 I think that's kind of cool um, to help kids put their mind in the right place. Yeah, and I think it actually starts to, and, and maybe I don't know exactly what their intention was, but I can see where it, for the the player, it's bringing the character to life, right? It's like yeah. I'm sitting down as the as the player, and now somebody's asking me some questions from about me, but then also about my character, and it's kind of slowly bringing that character now, kind of waking them up, right? So that now, yeah, the character is now kind of there, right? Right. You're kind of putting some divide between you versus the character you're playing, and mm-hmm. kind of showing that in in those answers. So yeah, that's I think that's a really neat way to do it. I I probably wouldn't have thought of that. 
cool. and, and and yeah so one of the other things too ritual itself um just the the word you know there's there's a sense of intention you know to to a ritual like ritual practice is something you do to you know be mindful to to bring a, a level of focus outside of like routine and i think you know i said get into the routine but like ritual is very different okay. than routine because there is that that like creating the moment you know to a ritual like it mm-hmm. being it being a thing of honor respect like yep. whereas routine is just something you do all the time okay. so right i yep. think that's kind of a cool way to think about it is yep bringing that respect and that intention to your your gaming yeah um and for the kids it's understanding you know this this is playtime this is fun but like you're, you're doing this for you know the character the the mental exercise mm-hmm. getting them prepared to to give that attention and that focus to to the experience yeah it's, it's meaningful structure yeah yeah absolutely so the next couple of things are kind of concluding the check-in, which kind of makes sense. And then that the next one on, on their sheet there was kind of receiving the character sheets and dice. And it, the dice would maybe think ties what you were just saying about ritual. Cause I don't know, again, I don't know about you, maybe your mage game again, or somewhere. I know in our D and D we don't because you're, we're virtual. Um, but in the past, like physical, how many players, you know, have their dice, like their dice and there is a ritual around their dice bag comes I, out and the certain yeah. 20 comes out and the certain, right. And they have mm-hmm. their, um, and their just, miniature and, and their yeah, miniature, yeah. right? And they all kind of have that ritual yeah. of how they they set for, that stuff off. For mage, I take the the ten uh, dice out of the you know the plastic <laughs> container, put them there. Then I have a bag. I put them there. I put all my dice to the zero, the ten sided <laughs> dice in front of me, like on the. And I I do every time mm-hmm. I do that in like a diamond type there pattern, right. and then I've got them ready. But yeah, it's it's just like I think. So I I know you guys are, are sports fans mm-hmm. and have played competitive mm-hmm. sports in the past too. Like I had rituals when I was a pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. don't step on the chalk line, go out to the mound, right. draw the the letter you know S, <laughs> kick it over. You know this this many times I'll like you know hit the glove and the mm-hmm. ball. Like there are these rituals in in a lot of different things, nice. and it's um, I think you know it it helps kind of center your your approach. Yeah. So. Not to get all like, woo, woo, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, no, no, like meditation before I, I uh, become a dungeon master. Maybe <laughs> I should, though. It'll help. But all those, all those things kind of help your brain get in the right headspace. Yeah. And, and yeah. especially for kids. But I mean, even, even adults, you know, those types of things are, are great to kind of click your brain into the right, yeah, the, mi- the right head, head the mind space, I guess, yeah. Um, so the, the next one then is recapping the story and this is really important. Um, and I, sometimes I do a better job than this for others. Like if we played recently, but you know, just the last few events where you were setting, setting the scene, so to speak, to remember, remind everyone, okay, where this is, this is where you got to, this is how you got there. And this is the condition you're in. That's kind of the three things I think of when I'm recapping is, I want you guys to remember if you're seriously hurt, depleted, so that you don't go charging yep. into a room full of bad guys and get you know destroyed. Yep. Like, because mm-hmm. memories aren't always perfect, yep. right? Um, so you know, having notes, uh, yep. keeping track of where things are at, it you know, it, it helps to to recap and and start off in the familiar ground. Yep. 
Yeah, and especially if somebody's not there, you know, the previous, previous week or something, catching them up, I think is great too. Yeah. Yep. And again, I think sometimes, like you said, I think sometimes we do it better than others because, like, because I, because again, I think it's because we don't have like an explicit step that says now we're going to recap the story. It's kind of like implicitly normally, yeah, we have like we kind of get radio. We're going to start and ties like, oh yeah, the last time we were doing this, um, and sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't, and and it could be like should we also have stuff like, should there be a checklist? Like you say, like, Hey, you guys, the last time you took a long rest was it? like, should there mm-hmm. be like a couple of checkpoints just to like kind of make sure that everybody's on the same page, like you said around where, cause sometimes we just tell the story, but we don't remember like, did we have a short rest last or not? Right. Mm-hmm. And then it just sometimes like we'll get into the game and like, hold it. Do I really have these spell slots? Do I not? Right. Um, and then that could be an opportunity where if you kind of have that, that more of a checklist like yeah here's what we're going to do make sure everybody's on the same page especially like you do where we do have people that we're not always there every week or maybe there's some nobody falls asleep for the last hour right (laughs) right or there's a case again where you're not like you don't have the check-in like you don't know like if somebody yeah kind of dropped out early you may not remember that they weren't there for that last hour right and stuff like that so Oh, Brendan, it's it's all good, man. We all need our sleep. We all need our sleep. Um, then beginning the play, you know, it's it's kind of okay. This is when it it takes off. Paul in our mage game always, you know, kind of asks each of us, "What are you doing?" You know, we don't usually end at like a, a cliffhanger in mage. It's kind of like a, a downtime, or you're recovering, or getting a phone call. So it's like, what is your character doing? And that's kind of how we start. Is is there any business um, to, to take care of before the, the action that he may have lined up really kicks off? Um, for us, it's, it's kind of like if we're you know, at a critical point, it's rolling initiative, it's getting into the, the combat where we paused right before, or um, somebody taking the first action. I kind of started this time by forcing a, a countdown. You, know, you guys had your plan, you did something, and then I just gave you a five count to each character in initiative order to like you know, get, get the, the engine Throw running. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, then the game kind of takes place from, from there. And I think that then playing isn't a step in this ritual, mm-hmm. but like, you know, within your game, I think there's a lot more ritual than, mm-hmm. than even here. And I think the focus in this critical core is the, once again, back to the points where you can become dysregulated. So, recap to beginning play it's easy to spiral away and then start talking about oh yeah that conversation with so-and-so is so great or that when you did that but you you descend away from you know the focus which is the game to what had happened previously so these steps you know are important um to to stay on stay on target stay focused keep that regulation um anything on beginning play for you guys as as a player like the, that transition from recap to game start? I don't think, I mean, I think it, it, I think you talk interesting is the different styles, right? There's can be some time, like, are you getting into Like, cause I think what's been interesting is when we started where we are at a cliffhanger and then you dive in the action. I think it's kind of fun. Like it's difference between like a movie that starts out, like all the action goes uh, and then you kind of get through that first scene and then things, and then, usually we make it through the combat and then the kind of the rest of the story takes off. Or is it a case where, like you said, where you've kind of closed the chapter and then you're starting up kind of slowly and building up. 
Um, I think there can be two different kind of ways to begin play. Like, like you said, cause I think the way that was interesting, like this week, like you said, we're throwing people in and really getting them like super engaged helped because we were in combat. And sometimes if you kind of slow into that, it can be fun. It can feel a little fumbly because people aren't all like, Oh yeah, I gotta be ready to go. And so the way you kind of press the action was, was really interesting in that. So, well, and occasionally too, the recap, the story and the start play, um, sometimes kind of overlaps like you know you you start playing and you're like oh wait didn't such and such happen or wasn't there this and that and the other thing and and so then there ends up being a little bit of recap at the start of the play too so um yeah i mean there are definitely two distinct things but yeah yeah, there it it can kind of um hopefully not take people out of it but uh at at least clarification type stuff but yeah and then ending the play um you know, it, it is important to have an end. You don't want to just kind of people fade out and then it, it's done. So, like, being, a, they refer to it as a facilitator, um, game master, dungeon master, whatever you want to call it, the person that's kind of running the game. Um, ending is just as important as where you begin. Um, you're not always, based on time constraints, going to be able to hit your marks where you want to or where you thought you may have. But, like, as I'm looking at the clock, if we're in hot and heavy in action, I'm going to try to finish. If it, you know, pushes us toward closer to 12, you know, so be it. If, if like, though, I know that something big is coming up, I'll look for that moment. in like, you know, last session, one person climbed the ladder, shadows rush <laughs> out of the darkness. And that's where I ended it rather than this big fight scene on a rope ladder at a cliff's edge. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just finding an, an appropriate place is part of that ritual and then you know you know cl- until next time whatever whatever your close is whatever mm-hmm. your fade to black is that consistency is is important too so you don't get this real disjointed um experience for a player at, at the end of the session mm-hmm. um so this next part is i i find i found this real interesting is they have this idea of checkout questions after you've kind of edited edit yeah. play um and like for them, they kind of, theirs were kind of, and basically they said each player would kind of answer these and, and as they go around uh, the table. So like what spotlight you'd like to shine on someone else. So basically giving opportunity to give kind of appreciation to another player. The next one was what, what was something challenging about today's session or something you learned? Um, again, give, let some kind of say what was a teaching moment and something else like that. And then the last one is, you know, what is something you predict will happen or looking forward to to get people excited for that? So I thought that was interesting. And then, Ty, you were talking about how that actually there's kind of an actual mechanic of that in, in Mage, which I found really interesting. Yeah. So so D&D, which, you know, we talk about most often and, and we're all familiar with, there's really not that end of session, you know, and I suppose in some sessions you gain experience. You know, that's kind of the ritual in, in some. Whereas for me, like I do story based and and like um you know, kind of achievement experience. Mm-hmm. So it's not always being awarded, but in, uh, in the storyteller system. So world of darkness, which is more of a troop, you know, group collaborative storytelling focus versus D and D. Um, it, it, you kind of share questions. So you get in our group, you get a point of experience for just being there. You know, you showed up, you played, you get a point of experience. Then you talk about what was some good role playing and you share, you know, I'll usually write, throughout the game if somebody says something really funny or really cool or there's a cool exchange i'll write down a note to myself to use for that 
um, checkout question, you know, to, to talk about, you know, when Tom said this to Jen about whatever, it was really cool how you two interacted and Ben when he did this. So there's that exchange. And then the third uh, question we talk about is what is something you learn? And it's crazy. Even after three years of playing, you're still <laughs> learning and it can be, I learned that so-and-so, you know, the NPC is actually this big, bad, evil guy, or I learned that this is the way that rule or this sphere of magic works, um, or learned about yourself, you know, as, as a player or as a character. Um, and then I don't think this one is, is necessarily from the, the rule book. There's another question or two, but it's become, what was it, you know, um, what was, I think it might be what is heroic, something heroic that happened is like the rule book version, but we talk about, you know, heroism or cool use of powers. Um, you know, what, what was something that someone did that really showcased what their character is all about or, and that, that's how you're in your experience and that's how you wrap up every session. Um, and it's very rare where, you know, it's two in the morning. And Paul just says, everybody gets four points of experience. <laughs> we all role-played. We all did that. Yeah. But a lot of time, you know, the majority of the time, probably 95% of the time, we're having those questions. We're having that dialogue and taking 15, 20 minutes to kind of digest what happened during the game session. So that that checkout is, you know, uh, an interesting device. I, I don't know, you know, the way they frame it, it might work, but... Our D&D group is, is relatively large, too, from a player count mm -hmm. and kind of disjointed by the yeah. end of the night. So, I, um, you know, it, it may or may not work in every group. Yeah. Right. And I think if you're doing a two-hour session with kids, yeah. it's a different story okay. to reflect, you know, and drive home yeah. the, the learning versus a group of seven adults that it's late and we have work the next day and we just had a bunch <laughs> of fun and everybody's like, all right, have a good night, bye. <laughs> um. Any anything on on checkout? Because I think the last thing was um, just ending the session and ending. leaving the space, which kind of makes sense. That's like ta-da, ta-da. That's yeah. it. You, Get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Hit the road. Um, but yeah, and and I think in a group with with uh, youth and and children, that is important. The mm. the game is is done. It's putting away our things. You know, it's going on to the next task, uh, which could be family meal. It could be a chores, you know, whatever it may be, it's transitioning to what comes next. And from a, a, a child standpoint, that is incredibly important. You never want, I, I know I never want to leave my kid without like, <laughs> here's what's next. Cause you don't know what they'll get into if, <laughs> if they're left up to their own devices. Um, true, true. So ritual um as as a way of group management i think is really what uh this this is and they kind of talk about that when they're wrapping up is that you know using these tools and devices what i think is kind of cool too is and this could just be the the corporate nerd in me thinking about a meeting you know structure mm -hmm. of your meetings yeah. and having them be useful you know yeah. beginning getting everyone aligned with what's going on, going through those questions. Like there's some of that too in our real world and, and uh, mindful practices in general are, are an interesting mm -hmm. topic and worth thinking, thinking about from okay. how we do it in our gaming too. AOS is a very ritualized uh, yeah, experience yeah. for a lot of players too. Yeah. too. <laughs> like mm -hmm. um, magic, the gathering, you know, kind mm -hmm. of there, there are these things we do in mm -hmm. these games to, 
to operate more efficiently, which is kind of cool to think about. Yeah. And again, my takeaway and what I, what I thought was interesting was I, I think we see that there are all, all these games and like even meetings and a lot of social interactions have these rituals um, that may or not be that we may not be aware of that they're just kind of happening and and most of the time they work well. But if you kind of step back and like actually kind of put a little more structure on it and realize that, hey, these are the things that happen and why they happen. Uh, and then putting kind of that emphasis and energy on to make then making sure that they happen and then things run smoother. Cause I think we kind of go in and we don't really talk about what the social contract is and what do we, and we assume everybody kind of is going to do this. And when one person really doesn't know what the ritual is and they don't do it, that's when we kind of, you know, people are uncomfortable or, or things kind of go south. So I thought it was really interesting how they, and that's what spoke to me about this was like them being very explicit around. And it would make sense when you're dealing with, kids that are on the spectrum like you do want to have that structure and you want to make sure that you're doing it the same every time so that they feel comfortable and and they can go through but again i think the lesson was that we all can <laughs> can learn from that so hopefully this is interesting i thought it was a kind of a interesting uh, conversation and, and hopefully can, people can take something away and uh, and do it in some and again in everything that you do there's probably rituals there that you could think about and focus on a little better absolutely all right any closing thoughts on, on ritual, or should we do our usual ritual, <laughs> which is we take a break before we dive into our Play It or Slay It review? And in a spooky cemetery, three podcasters gathered to do a Play It or Slay It review for their Halloween special. <laughs> you guys you guys like how i'm really trying to force us down this like yeah. spooky october episode josh did special effects mm-hmm. <laughs> he said he wasn't <laughs> he gonna did. do it and he yeah did. he did i didn't add him in though so what is kind of spooky about this player slate is the name of the thing we're talking about dungeon fog like it that is, sounds scary that is kind of scary yeah fog of war you know dungeon fog i think it's kind of cool Dungeon Fog, though, is a web-based uh, map-making um, tool, software. I don't know what to call it. Web-based map-making uh, tool, program, tool. tool. Good. Web-based, yeah. yep. Um, and it has a um, number of maps that each user can like save. It gives you a asset library, even when free, that's capped at you know a certain number of megabytes. Um, you can bring in your own images or your own files. And then there are different tiers. There's a monthly uh, subscription cost, which is about $5. There's an annual, which is 50 so you're saving a little bit. Um, or there's a commercial license you can purchase where you could then, I think, theoretically sell I'll your sell maps map. um, that you make from it. So, you know, when you look at Roll20's Marketplace and some of the, the maps that are created there, like if you wanted to make a bunch of maps and then sell them on the Roll20 Marketplace, as long as you're using the Dungeon Fog um, commercial oh, license, you can you can do that. Um, the, uh, the website is dungeonfog.com. Um, when you go on, you can see some videos of what it's all about. They've also done a series of how-to videos on YouTube, one of the designers, that are very useful just to learn the basics. Um, but ultimately, I know I showed you guys the website. I have been using this personally, so spoiler alert, you know, I, I, I 
might be saying play it. Um, <laughs> but I've been using it and, and just playing around with the different, um, the different tools, the different assets. And then um, there's a number of ways, you know, building walls, adding doors that snap to the grid. It's, it's very intuitive controls. So um, I know you guys haven't had a chance to like build maps and, and use it quite a bit. But uh, any initial thoughts on kind of the the layout of the tool, how things are set up, the website experience? I think this is a a market that's needed something like this. So um, I, I think there's a lot of little tools that do similar-ish stuff, but this kind of puts a lot of that together um, and, and makes it accessible and makes it, I, I don't want to say easy, but brings a lot of pieces together that... Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess ease of use is there, right? Uh, they I, just as a, a little tip of the cap too. They they did a uh, they won an any um, which is the N World RPG Awards uh, Ennies. Uh, they won silver, so uh, obviously people are recognizing them for being cool. So <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, and looking at kind of the depth of what they can all, what you can all make with this is just, I don't know. I this is exactly what um, a dungeon master would want uh, if you're creating your own own world for sure. Yeah, and I, I think web based is where they went right. Like like yeah. you said, they've been like tools, but they were all probably download and they had pieces and stuff. But web based, and you can have access to all the different library stuff to build different things, and they can continue to add to it and. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's what really, and, and the fact that they have a free version that you can get a, a pretty good mileage out of, yeah. right. means that you can use it, you know, if you're only need a few maps or something quick, you can definitely yeah, you do, can that. do up to three maps for free or something. Yeah. yeah. And like, then, and it, yeah. for odds are quickly, you're going to be like, Oh, okay. It, and it, like you're saying five bucks a month, like that's nothing, right. That's like, right. okay. If you're doing anything, yeah. you're going to get coffee. your money back. Right. Yeah. I, I guarantee I have spent more than $50 buying tile mm-hmm. sets in roll 20 or buying things mm-hmm. like throughout the last few years, each year mm-hmm. to try to get pieces of maps to put together. Right. So like I, I look at the, the cost as it's either I'm on the roll 20 marketplace, buying a bunch of things and taking time in a, in an interface that is not necessarily designed to build maps. It's, you know, import, mm-hmm. import images, use them. Um, Whereas this is designed to make maps. Um, there are multiple levels. You can add like levels to the maps and then ghost it over so you can see where your stairs go up. Put a stairway there, like connect the, the levels, you know, title each level, upstairs of the inn, main level, you know, cellar, whatever, and then easily flip between them. Um, the grid is entirely customizable, so you can do one-inch squares, you can do hexagons, you can change you know is it straight lines is it dotted lines is it um and then the thing thematically uh the assets they have you know fantasy you go to like surface and you have rocks and snow and water and mud and ruins and spaceship decks like the textures are just it's it's pretty crazy how um how much there is and then when you're designing your wall it can be below ground it can be regular building it can be cave so you get the rough edge uh circles curved or straight lines and you can change the grid size to have more of those 
points, you know, so you can go quickly from your five foot square down to like 10, you know, squares within that five foot square. Mm -hmm. So you can get more angles on your walls and create more natural looking Mm -hmm. caverns and patterns. Um, You can do it all on the fly. So, um, and then they have dynamic lighting, you know, objects like braziers or torches cast light. You can set the distance, the warmth of the light. Do they cast shadows? Uh, do they intersect with objects? You know, there's there's just an ambient lighting. You can adjust like the whole tonality of the map on the fly. It's 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 pretty crazy the level of detail and depth that you can get out of a web based tool. And I was thinking I would not be able to get that when I started looking at it. Um, I saw a tweet from a guy that was starting to DM a game, and he said, "Yeah, I'm trying to design maps for the module." In about two hours, I built all the maps I need, you know, out of the book, just drawing it myself, recreate like some of the D&D book maps in this tool to then import to Roll20. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So I started playing around with it for free. And after two hours, I bought the uh, (laughs) the $50 (laughs) subscription. So, um, So cool. So I just won. So you talked about dynamic lighting so that so you can actually create it here and then that imports in the roll 20 and does it take advantage of their dynamic it, lighting stuff it or? doesn't take advantage of the roll 20 oh. api okay. um, but your map can be lit in a way that you can easily identify those points of light okay. and shadow to draw the lines if, once you import it to roll oh, okay. 20 so you're you're doing okay. roll 20 is dynamic lighting you're ultimately drawing room lines right. and then placing light and showing where it goes but these maps have that in a way on it where you can set the the lighting in each room um as the and then as you reveal the map you know that light changes just, given what's in the room or what's ambient okay. um and then the roll 20 api you can you can add that to like the token so that person with a torch goes in oh, and casts okay. their own light but you can identify where those gotcha. lines are okay. easier um import everything cyberpunk modern i mean the settings that you can do in the i was just kind of blown away um there's a there's a brush tool where you can set the opacity really low and adjust the softness so like i put my wood flooring down but then i did like dirt or dust and i did patches with like it's almost like you're airbrushing over mm-hmm. the texture you try brushing. just to, yeah. to show but <laughs> yeah i mean truly you set yeah. your opacity really mm-hmm. low and you can create a dirty corner mm-hmm. or you can show you know you do that then you do another lighter layer to show what where the scuff marks are like high traffic areas so you can you can do all these That's crazy it. things to make the maps just look a little bit cooler um poor man's photoshop yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the layers, you can just like in Photoshop where you can build the layers on like the one level of the map, you can have layers within this um, and then put everything on the one layer or move them up and down layer to layer, bring things to the front, to the back. So, um, well, and, and I was just kind of leafing through here. There's, there's tons of pre-made items too. So there's like coffins and weapons and rugs and tables and tons of stuff that it, it so you don't have to like recreate the wheel you know you're they well, you can just import these things yeah i showed you the other night i showed you the tavern mm-hmm. um that i designed in here and all of those um tables benches the hogsheads the the windows the door that all came from the the dungeon fog asset library that's like, awesome i imported nothing it was all just from 
uh, from the site, the tool. That's really cool. Cool. So it seems like there's also, I don't know if you've used that, like you can add notes and stuff like that, or is that more of like if you're using, and then they have their own viewers. So again, we've been talking about the roll 20 use case, but even if you're. Some people play their game in dungeon fog. So you can use tokens and bring the maps to player view and have your GM notes. When you export the map files, you can have your notes, you know, for this area at a label. And I, I think it might even be clickable like a tooltip, where if you go into that room, bring forward what your notes are for that room as you're running a game in Dungeon Fog. Um, I've just done the export for like an image to overlay into Roll20. Um, but you, you, you can play within the, the Dungeon Fog website. So when you cut a hole in your table, Josh, and put the L, the TV mm-hmm. under there, then we'll yeah, you can, there. you can yeah just display the cool thing in there. So. <laughs> we'll do that. Um, and and so they kickstarted back a couple of years ago. I think we said 2017 was the Dungeon Fog Kickstarter. They recently closed their um, what they refer to as Project Deos, which is a world building suite. So it unites kind of Dungeon Fog with city maps and world maps they they have some elements of this where in dungeon fog you could do like a wilderness battle map but it would be tough to do like continents and cities mm. um you you certainly could but it's really designed around rooms and caves and halls so um, project deos though is more of a expansion of dungeon fog to allow somebody to build their world maps do city streets do you know all of these things um, and it's successfully funded re- recently. So cool. Yeah, it uh, seems like a ne- next evolution yeah. step that that's cool. Very nice. Uh, and there, there's nothing to stop you from doing it for free. I think even with the free membership, you can export your maps. Once you export stuff, obviously you can't go back and edit it, but if you do the, the plan where you're paying for it, you can always have more maps and more storage, save your map file, go back and edit it, adjust it, you know, move some walls around and you've got a whole new, <laughs> a whole new encounter ready to go. Um, so price point, $5 a month or $50 for the year um, or free if you just want to dabble. Um, any questions or final thoughts before the, the ultimate answer as to would a player play it or slay it? Well, I'll just say um, coming kind of from a software background, uh, I always like to see tools like this, like have a, you know, a limited free entry point where people can play with it and actually like, you know, kick the tires, uh, so to speak. So I, I think it's great that they're doing that and allowing folks to play with their product before they, you know, decide whether or not they want to pay for the enhanced version. So uh, good on you, Dungeon Fog. Anything else? From I'm good. I'm ready to crush my hopes and dreams. Yep. Give, okay. Give my verdict. Well, let's start with you, Troy. <laughs> Are you going to play it or slay it? Dungeon Fog. Um, I am going to. I did sign up for a free account, so I think that's at least dip my toe in. You're in the play door. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and part of it will be whether I would buy it. Would be am I. Do I have a reason to kind of run more maps or something else like that? Or like you said, I think there's enough, there's a lot here to get um, a lot of traction with just the free version. And I was even thinking of like, what do I need? Yeah. Sometimes it's maps for 
Space Hulk uh, stuff. I was going to say like, where I yeah. could see this being useful with the yeah. sci-fi um, textures yeah. and stuff is like a Space Hulk map to yep. like print out right. or, um, you know, you're running a convention mm-hmm. game and you need a couple battle yeah, maps quickly. Um, get one of these, laminate it. You know, yep. it's there's some some use there for other things exactly. than like online play of, of D and D or something. Yep. All right. I'm playing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play it too. I, I think, like I said earlier, this is definitely a space that, um, needs something like this. And I think it's great. Um, I, I personally wouldn't pay for it right now because I'm not running anything, but yeah, if I was ever running a game or needed it for, like you were saying, some sort of convention, game or something like that uh yeah absolutely you know pay five bucks and make up make some maps or you know if i'm if i'm going to start running a game more regularly maybe i pay for a year uh yeah definitely i think it's i think it's a great tool i've i've clearly already paid for it so i'm, I'm playing yeah, that you're gonna slay it <laughs> you always slay it um, what is going on I'm, I'm playing it definitely for the year <laughs> Um, and I find myself, what, what's kind of crazy is uh, tonight after I did show notes and I threw this on there just as a topic for us, I started making a map and I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> and I got like two or three rooms of a cave system and tunnels and playing with different archways and doors <laughs> and, you know, spider webs and mushrooms, like making an underdark like cave system. Um, just having having fun with it. Like building maps is something that is usually a chore. Yeah. Um, and takes me a lot of time. This has made it accessible and like fun to to map, um, which is never usually the case for me. So, uh, dungeonfog.com, um, Project Deos Kickstarter wrapped up recently. I don't know if you can still get in on it, um, but we will, uh, we will hit, hit this up on Twitter as well. Um, because they do have a Twitter handle that's pretty responsive to community. Like when somebody mentions them, you know, um, somebody had put this up on Twitter originally, and I just want to share this. And I commented and asked, you know, about how easy it is to import into Roll Twenty or export. I said, "Oh yeah, export is a PNG, whatever." The Dungeon Fog uh, Twitter handle chimed in and said, "You can also do it as a JPEG. We recommend that it's easier to implement and to, to adjust within Roll Twenty or something like that. Like nice. within an hour, like there's there's just a really good um, relationship with with their users and and their customers. That that's was pretty cool to see um, and helped me make my decision to like go ahead and do it because there are other ones out there that you can buy um, and there are other free ones that you can use, but this one kind of." did everything a little bit better mm-hmm. um, and in a nicer package. So dungeon fog. All right. Now comes the point in the horror movie where we run upstairs to investigate the noise. I'm going to run downstairs. <laughs> and we talk about the wrap up and BOD news and events. So Dragonfall, October 25th through the 27th, Troy will be going to play Warhammer 40K, the other GW game. On the 25th, and then there's also, I think, the Team AOS tournaments that day, and then there's the GT over the weekend on the 26th. And you're playing in all of those events? No, I'm not. No. Just, I'm probably just going to go down for the, the Friday. All right. Same weekend, uh, other part of Northern Illinois, RockCon is going on in Rockford. Um, 
I think Dan usually goes to Rockford. I don't know if he's yeah. doing that again yeah, this year. I think so. Like he, be, he goes and plays right. He goes and plays yeah. role playing games at uh, yeah. at the Metric Mansion. But whatever <laughs> works, that's good. Dude. So, so you maybe you'll see Dan from uh, Cubic Shenanigans at RockCon. Um, the weekend after that in Madison, Gamehole Con, the best little big convention in the world. Uh, I know Troy, you're going to be there. I think for a day. Yeah, I think at least uh, yeah, at least be out there for the weekend in some form. Are you doing a day or two, Josh? Yeah, I'm definitely bringing the kids on the 31st. They, oh, they're having treating. treating. <laughs> yep. So uh, cool. they have off school that day. So oh, I was like, oh, oh yeah, oh, we're okay. going out. Um, and then yeah, probably one of the weekend days. Um, yeah. So yeah. Awesome. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. Um, Holy Havoc, which we'll also talk about, November 2nd to the 3rd is that kind of same weekend, Saturday, Sunday, at Steve Herner's Narrative Doubles event that Bryce and I are playing in. Um, be going down to that Friday night. So the question will be, do I go Thursday um, to game hole and take off work? Or do I go Friday during the, I, it seems like a lot of driving for, <laughs> for just a little bit of yeah. game hole, but we'll see. Um, and then I'll be at Holy Havoc also happening. November 2nd is a listener wedding. So mm-hmm. Stu giant among minis is getting married November 2nd down in, uh, in Nashville. So congratulations, because we probably won't be recording again before that time. Um, but Stu is just an all-around great guy, um, a listener, and he did uh, he did share a, a photo. He actually has playing and slaying um, stitched into the inside of his jacket uh, for his wedding. <laughs> yes, it was so, awesome. Uh, very cool to see, but congrats to him yep. and his uh, future wife. So um, if you're in Nashville, go crash a wedding. I don't know where, but I'm sure Stu will invite you along. So, uh, and then in the middle of January, in the cold winter months, Milwaukee's midwinter gaming uh, convention, January 9th through the 12th, that is 2020. Uh, Barbara Walters won't be there, but several RPG games and uh, tabletop games will be available I, at I the Hilton. You, I see downtown. what you did there, Ty. I don't, I don't, it'll be interesting how many other listeners get that. Wubba Wattles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I put Hugh down. Whoa, we are crushing right. it. Good job, guys. But so I threw Middle Winter on there because it feels like that sneaks up on us all the time. And also, we're like, oh, that's next week, and then we don't do as much with it. it does. It's, uh, what, it's a uh, cool little convention. What's a few weeks after that? Wapaka, the last one. Um, Wapaka is a AOS event, a two day tournament. In Wapaka, Wisconsin, gets people from all over, 60 to 75 players or so. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, have you signed up yet, Josh? I have not. Oh, man. But I'm, I, I, You got to. Yeah, yeah. You got to join. You got to. Uh, Troy signed up for it, which is awesome. Yep. So Troy will be will, there with I'll, his silver. Yep, I'll get my trees. That's my motivation to get them back on the table. So Roge is Wapaka-ing it in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. So it will be the last uh, Wapaka. Um, there may be another event, you know, in the future in the middle of Wisconsin uh, that gets uh, built and, and run by somebody because it is a huge event. Um, I think it's the same weekend as LVO. So it's like either end of January or early February. I forget which exact date it is, but I think it's in that range, right around the Super Bowl. We, we will have that information yeah, we'll, by we'll next put time that you hear from us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is upcoming news and events. Check us out at a few of the shows, tournaments, whatever, um, and, and say hi. We'll be the guys wearing Basement of Death or Plain and Slam t-shirts. 
and you will be the guys or gals coming up buying us beer. Um, also, please leave us a review on iTunes. We love it. I haven't had one in a while. I'm looking forward to our next uh, iTunes review. Somebody <laughs> can leave some colorful language and, and tell us what we're doing. Uh, find us on Facebook. Join the 36 other people that follow us on Facebook um, and, and say hi. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Play and Slay and Show. And then, of course, Troy's amazing website, basementofdeath.com, with all of our episodes get posted there, show notes, which are always fun to, to look at and read and see what I said will be in the show notes that isn't, or vice versa. <laughs> I think Troy does it to troll me sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, And then you can email us when you find those, uh, those clerical errors yes, and omissions. Yes. Uh, Ty at basementofdeath.com, Josh, Troy, info, intern, all at basementofdeath.com. Happy Halloween, everyone. Hope you enjoy watching uh, some scary movies, handing out candy, scaring neighborhood children, whatever it is that you do on Halloween. And uh, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. This is a live play. We were changing. Uh, Playing and Slaying is now actually a live play D&D oh. uh, podcast where we, we play D&D uh, and we slay monsters. This is my be. favorite part of the show. I can't when, get when, when Troy, when Troy, Troy Dad tries to record. Wait. Oh, that one's like live. Like, All right. So Josh is, Josh is playing um, Bildo, the halfling uh, bard. Mm-hmm. Troy is playing Aragom. The half elven ranger. It's a two player session, a bard and ranger, and you two are traveling across the realm of Gormor um, to seek out Mount Boom, where you must throw the 12th uh, necklace into the, the lava. I shoot two arrows. But you're the bard. You're supposed to sing, yep. s- sing the songs. I, st- I steal his. You steal his I steal longbow. his bow, and I shoot two arrows at him. I'm going to need you to roll initiative. Okay. 21. That's the dice hitting the table. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded like somebody was at the door. (laughs) 21. All right. Troy, Josh has rolled a 21 for Bildo, the halfling bard. He is shooting two arrows. What what is your initiative? Uh, 18. 18. His arrows are going first. Who are you shooting at? Uh, him and what is your roll to hit 37 that's very high i believe you might be cheating i'm a plus 17 oh wow I you're very up. good at shooting is yep. a bard yeah but it misses. that was without bardic inspiration yes um aragam's um armor class it happens to be a 39 yeah. oh wow i thought it was 40 actually i got a, i got a plus one yeah he has a ring of um arcane armor mm. protection that ups his AC by a number necessary to miss hits. Seems good. Yeah, he he had it uh, custom made by the wizard, um, Lafgan, 
that uh, <laughs> you met in in the town um, outside of the the district, um, the halfling community. It's called the district, District Seven, in fact. It's <laughs> good. You went in. You went into the inn, and that's where you met Aragom. He was sitting in in the front by the bar, um, in a very welcoming pose. He actually, he actually was entertaining a group of people with stories of the urban streets that he roams. Mm-hmm. And he has reforged a plow, um, like a, a implement for farming. Yeah, that he wields as his blade. It's pretty badass. Yeah. We need Bryce here for like a third. No, it's a two-player game. Oh, um, oh, yeah. You each will have a um, companion that will join you, um, but they're hired. They're hench- henchmen, hirelings, oh. uh-huh. so they won't be very good, um, and they'll die a lot. Can Bryce be my companion? No, Bryce isn't allowed to play with us because he um, he's too busy podcasting all the time. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Then the monsters come and you both die. <gasps> oh, they don't no. need to roll to hit. They auto hit. They are supreme um, beings of the witch queen of uh, Dang Nabmar. <laughs> What's her name? Um, it is it is Loran. It's a sister to uh, Sor Sor Soran. <laughs> Wait, like the one from. Lord of the Rings? No, no, the one from Redwall. Oh. Good. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna keep doing this every week. We'll do another adventure. It'll be a live play playing and being slayed. A live play character. Yeah, because we just just died. died, Yeah, you'll need new characters for next. Because what are we we're trying to get this ring to the mountain? No, it's the twelfth necklace. That you have to get to the fires of Mount Boom. Okay. I'm just. Before it explodes. Yeah. No, before it corrupts you and you become a a creature that likes to call things uh, that are important to him names and talk to himself Mm -hmm. in the darkest reaches of tunnels where um, Led Zeppelin will write songs about him. Nice. I have a a better plan, though. I have a plan for next week. Can I call it my, my pretty? Um, no, you can call it my special, uh, my special someone or my special item uh-huh. or the thing that means a lot to me, but you can never refer to it as my precious <laughs> because that is trademarked. Right, right. What yeah. about, what about my, my lovely? Sure. As long as you don't say my precious. Right. Pretty is okay though? Yeah, my pretty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can't say it like, uh, Andy Circus's voice. You have to keep it different. Preferably monotone and very. Um, Could it be like, like my pretty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really great if you did that. I'll do that every time. So next time you don't have to be Bildo the halfling bard. Oh, thank God. But you can be Philip, um, the halfling uh, barbarian. Wow. Mm-hmm. Troy's character next time is going to be um, Saucer the Saucerer. <laughs> yep. No and his baby dragon teacup. 